Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series, Tell Me the Truth, we're asking big questions and turning to God's Word for big answers. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Didi Bacon. I want to say thank you to everyone who's already said yes. Yes, yes, yes. You can count on me. I will serve when we go to three services September the 9th. And hopefully you have the times right. 9, 10.30, and noon. And if you are maybe not able to serve for whatever reason, maybe you can serve by coming to perhaps what we anticipate being the, the less attended service, the noon service. Come on, make a lunch thing with us and, and serve in that way. We'd really appreciate that. You know, I want you to know that the decision to go to three services is the result of a overall prayerful pursuit of our leadership to basically ask the, answer the question, Lord, now that we're here at our new property at 4110 Buck Buxton Road, what's next? Took us seven months and, well, it took us seven years and build it seven months and seven days to move to get here. We got in, we got settled, we realized what it is to do ministry. Now what? What's next? And in that, we began a conversation with the Lord and amongst each other about, okay, let's develop what we will call a a five-year strategic plan. What will our church look like in 2021? What do we want our church to look like? Where are you leading? This is more important. Where are you leading us, Lord, as a church in 2021? And so the details of that is still unfolding. That's the thing about vision, right? Vision is you don't get all the details right up front. You, you work out details as you begin to progress, but you have to have certain principles that you go towards. And there are five things that we have settled on as the things that we want to see happening in our church and what we see God calling us in our church in 2021. Number one is this. We want to see an increase in servant leadership. In other words, we want to see more folks who are being called and being trained and being released to their Christ-centered servant leader role uh, here at church. In other words, we need more leaders who will fill our bench, as it were, as a church because we anticipate the harvest will be plentiful and there needs to be workers for the harvest. And so we're going to make an investment in servant leadership. Second, we want to become a discipleship church. Throughout our church, we want to be known as a place, as a community where mature Jesus followers are going small and going strong and going slow in a process that we're all in tune with in bringing those that they are mentoring in that small and strong and slow way. They're mentoring to bring them to the next step of their growth in Christ. And so if the person that they're mentoring is not a believer, to bring them to the place where they will be born again by making a faith commitment in Jesus Christ. If they're a baby believer, an infant believer, well, then those newborns in Jesus will be grown up to become children in the faith. If they're a child in the faith, then they'll grow up to become a young adult in the faith. If they're a young adult in the faith, then they will be grown up to become a spiritual parent 
looking to have spiritual children who they will be investing in and helping them grow, and the cycle will continue. And we want to be a church that's known for this in every aspect of what we do, a discipleship church. Third, we want to use the gifts that God has given to us to reach our neighbors in our local community and in our overseas community. Uh, Overseas community refers to the partnerships we have with with missionaries in various parts of the world. But we want to be uh, effective in using the strengths and the gifts that God has given us, things unique to Mount Carmel, in order to reach our community. Learn the language of the community so that we might communicate to them in a way in which they will understand the message of Jesus, the message of grace, so that they too may have an opportunity to say, yes, we believe. And so the way we say it here is that we want to evangelize by using our strengths. Evangelize by using our strengths. Fourth, we want to continue to have prayer be the heartbeat of everything we do. Prayer will keep us in the place we need to be, and that is totally reliant on God and being reminded that this is His work and nothing gets done in a manner that is effective and blessed without God being part of it. And so making a commitment to have prayer... uh, a practice of every part of where we are so that we might operate in the power of God and His Spirit. Five, we want to maximize our current resources in order to do ministry as best we can. And this is where we come to this whole question of third service. We want to maximize our current building footprint, our current resources financially, uh, staffing, people-wise. We want to maximize our resources so that we might get the most out of ministry out of this footprint. And that's why we go into three services. Because of this initiative, we're able to add space to our children's ministry and our student ministry areas. We're able to add space and opportunity in our parking lot with cars coming in and out. We're able to add space, in effect, in this location, in this place, in this sanctuary with the seats. We're able to do more and maximize our ministry resources. It's exciting. And these are exciting times, and I'm excited that you and I, we can be part of this at this time in our church history. These are exciting times, and in many ways, they're challenging times. And part of the challenge that I think we face is that we live in a culture today, as we think about outreach, as we think about taking the love of Jesus to our neighbors, as we think about the folks that are not here, if we think about people that we are connected to that perhaps could be symbolized by empty chairs within this room, the challenge is that we live in a culture not so much that is hostile towards our Christian faith, But we live in a culture, I've observed, that seems to be indifferent. Ever been fishing, and you look out into the water, and you see some mama-jama fish. That's a technical term from Dee Dee Bacon. Big fish. And you're thinking, oh, yeah, it's going to be a good day. And so you throw your lure out there, you throw your bait out there, and you put it, I mean, you put it perfectly where they are. They're swimming right up to it. I mean, you're almost putting the bait in its mouth. Have you ever done that? And you did that, and all of a sudden, you look at the fish, and it swims up, and then it just turns away like, 
whatever. <laughs> Have you had that happen? There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse when you're fishing and you think that the kind of bait or the kind of lure that you're using is going to be the perfect bait to catch the fish. You see the fish, you throw the bait, you throw the lure out there, and the fish don't even care. They're indifferent. I mean, you can't even get a rise out of them. I mean, I've done it before. I'm like, okay, if you're not going to bite my hook, I'm going to see if I can snag you with that in the head, all right? <laughs> Why not? And they're like, whatever. I think that's how many of our friends who are not in the church, I think that's how they feel about church. They're like, hey, that's cool for you, church. I somewhat admire the fact that you're committed to, but it's not for me. It's boring. It doesn't do anything for me. If you want to do that, okay, but I'm not willing to be religious and give up what I think I'm going to have to give up and I enjoy if you want that, that's okay, but church is too narrow-minded for me. Church is whatever for me. And even though I, I believe in God, I'm not into organized religion, the fish just don't care about the bait. Which brings me to the question for this morning as we continue on in our series, Tell Me the Truth. If you look at Scripture and you look in the Bible, last part of the Gospel of Matthew, you have a scene in which Jesus is standing, resurrected Jesus is standing before his apostles, his disciples, and he gives them what we would say are the marching orders for the church. He says, hey, I'm going back to the Father. You have this mission to continue on my work. What I started in Israel, what I started in Judea, what I started in Galilee, what I started here, you are going to continue on in a much bigger way and I'm going to send you the Spirit, and He's going to empower you to do that, and you're going to go from here until the ends of the earth. He's giving them the marching orders, and his mar the marching orders is to say, hey, go and make disciples. As you go in life, uh, interact with hu other human beings, you go and you seek to make them disciples. You seek to bring them into the church, making them Jesus followers like you. And the process will be that baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what he says. And what he's referring to is bring them to a decision of faith where they are made right with God through the work that's been done on the cross and the, and the empty tomb. Bring them to a place where they become children of God. And he says, and teach them everything I've commanded you. And I'm with you always till the end of the age, a reference to the Holy Spirit's presence. But he says, teach them, train them up. Mentor them. Show them what it means to live as Jesus follows in this world, in this pattern. And everything I give to you, apostles, you will have, uh, it will be enough to be able to produce mature and producing Jesus follows in life. That's, that's the goal we have. Go into the world and make disciples. It's a call for the church that was then, and it's a call for the church that's for us now, and it's the call for the church to the end when Jesus returns. That's the call we have, but here's the challenge, I think, for us specifically in the church today. How do we bring our friends into church when they have written church off? 
How do we bring our friends into church when they've written church off? Our, our neighbors and our workmates and, and our, our relatives and the people that we're connected to and, and have an influence over and, and connection with. How do we bring them into the church, into church when they've written church off? Now, I have chosen my words very carefully here because I did not say, how do we bring our friends to church, which is commonly what we say. And the reason why I've said this is because I think we have to recognize that, that while church operates in a location, and while we have events, that's why we have service times, church is not an event or a location. Church is a community. And so when you think about it, we're not bringing people to church, although that does happen. We're bringing people into the church. In other words, we're incorporating them into this community of Jesus followers so that they can be a Jesus follower as we are a Jesus follower, so that they can be made children of God as we are children of God, so they can have life as we have life through walking in faith with Him. We are a group of Jesus followers who have committed to be a local family of believers pursuing the mission that God has given us through Jesus, go into the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have commanded you. But our friends have written church off, right? Let's be honest, they have. Some say, we live in a post-Christian society. Everyone's been exposed a little bit to Christianity. Everyone thinks that they know what exactly what it's about, particularly church. And a lot of them aren't necessarily mad at us. They do get mad at us when we particularly say things that they might disagree with, whether it be on marriage, whether it be on, on life or whatever it is. They get mad at us. But by and large, our friends don't get mad at us. They just don't care about what church is about. They don't care. They say, been there, done that. My granny took me to church when I was a little kid. I went to church as a teenager. I got busy, and it's just not for me. Been there, done that, and at this stage in my life, I'm not interested. How do we bring our friends into church when they've written church off? How do we fulfill the great commission, go into the world and make disciples? I've told you this before. I uh, made a decision, and it's been almost two years now, I made a decision that I was going to work through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, just read on my personal time, daily time, and I, uh, the way I was going to do it was I was not going to make it like I normally do it. I'm a checklist kind of guy. How many can relate to that? Done, done, done. I make, I'll do something, and then I'll go back and write it down and check it off like I did it, because I'm like, that's a buzz, right? So... I was approaching reading the Bible like that. I was like, let's just get her done, right? And so if I have a goal, Genesis to Revelation, I'm going to work through it. And so I'm like, I can't do that. i gotta, I got to read slowly because if I'm reading just to read, I will miss something. So I've been going through the slow pace listening, and I've been working through the Bible, and now I'm in the book of Acts. Book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. Acts is part two to Luke, the Gospel of Luke's part one. Luke was a first century Jesus follower who was associated with Paul. He hung out with the apostles. He was a doctor. And Luke writes what we call the Gospel of Luke, a account, a researched account of the life of Jesus from his birth 
to the time he goes back up to the Father after his resurrection. That's Luke. Acts picks up the story from Jesus going up into heaven and him commissioning the apostles to go and be the church and then gives the account of the church in its first pretty much 60 years. And what we read in the book of Acts is the establishment of what we would call the church and the movement of Jesus going from what was localized primarily in in Judea and Galilee, now moving beyond that to the ends of the earth. And in fact, uh, to where we are today is obviously the result of that. But it's great reading. I mean, you read the book of Acts, and it's exciting. I mean, fire coming from heaven, touching the apostles. Them speaking languages that they hadn't learned, proclaiming the the truth of Jesus. 3,000 men coming to to Christ. I mean, 3,000 men, and that's, you know, their wives and children, who knows? I mean, that's a lot of people coming into the church in one day. That's a lot of dunking, right? I mean, that's a good thing they had the temple courts where there's a lot of water there. They could do that. I mean, you read the book of Acts, and, and stuff's happening. Miracles are happening. The apostles are being pulled before the, the religious authorities, the civil authorities, and told to give an account of the stuff they're preaching. And they're boldly saying, we're going to do what God calls us to do, not man. People are dying in church, Ananias and Sapphira, for, for lying to the Holy Spirit. Philip's being transported, you know, before Spock and, and Star Trek, and they were doing that. I mean, God was doing that with, with Philip. He picked him up and dropped him off, and then picked him up and dropped I mean, that's amazing stuff. And you read the work of the church, and it's, it's a movement, and you got persecutions, and you got, uh, got people coming to faith, and you got life transformation happening, expressed in some radical generosity that, that people said, said amongst the community, there was no one with a financial need because everyone shared everything, and, and they gave to those in need. And, and you read the story of the church as it moves forward and, and goes from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to Galilee, and, and geographically goes in with the story of the apostle Paul into the, to the ends of the earth to the, to the Roman world going out west and, and, and just exciting stuff happening in the church. And you read Acts and there's no way that you can say, no way you can say, hmm, ho-hum, yeah, been there, done that, whatever. I mean, when the church was moving, Typically, the reaction was, yes, Jesus, or uh, we're going to kill these people. There was no indifference. There was no, eh, eh, whatever. Why was that? I mean, the church today has everything that the church then has. You say, well, we don't have the apostles with us. Well, actually, we do. We have them and their teachings and everything that they gave through God's Holy Spirit for us contained in what we call the New Testament part of the Bible. We have the same Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, given to us by faith in Christ. We have what they had available to them. So how is it that they weren't met with indifference, and yet we are? I was pursuing that question, and, and I landed on one little verse. It's in Acts chapter 9. 
Acts chapter 9, verse 31. And I'm, I'm going to read uh, two English versions of the Bible, the, the two English versions that I particularly reference mostly in my, in my studies, in my preaching. Uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 31 from the New International Version and Acts chapter 9, verse 31 in the New American Standard Bible. But we read in Acts chapter 9, there's a summary statement of the life of the church just after the first big persecution. So the first, just after the first big uh, ant reaction towards the church from the civil and, and, and religious authorities where they're throwing people into prison and people were dying because they were believers in Jesus. And, and it causes the church to, to be pushed out of Jerusalem and into the surrounding areas of Judea and Samaria and Galilee. And we have this statement about now that this is over, what was going on in the church. Verse 31 of chapter 9. Here's NIV. This is what it says. It says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Okay? NASB says, So the church throughout all Judea and Gal Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up. And going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. Now, I want us to just kind of take this verse apart so that we might be able to pull out the depth of meaning here that will then help us answer the question, how do I bring my friends into church when they have written church off? That first line says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. And ASB says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up. What we have here is that the church is spread throughout the regions now. It's gone out of Jerusalem. They, they had to almost be kicked out because, you know, persecution is what they did. And they moved into the surrounding regions of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. And when we think about the church, it talks about the church, but when we think about that, we've got to remember where what's being referenced here is churches, churches of Jesus, the church of the whole made up of various congregations in various cities and towns and villages in that region. And so what the statement here, Luke's saying, is that the churches, the congregations that were committed to Christ, enjoyed a time of peace, meaning this was a season in which the troubles and the persecutions were stopped, and they were left alone to live their lives, to live out their faith in their day-to-day, -to, -day. to do what they were called to do without fear of punishment or hostility. Now, I also want us to note that we have to always remember that church is a we thing. Uh, we like to make it a me thing. We like to make it all about me. We like to think that, well, I can do church on my back porch with me and God and, and the squirrels with a cup of coffee and a rocking chair. But that's not what church is meant to be. And in fact, that whole concept is extremely, it's not even addressed in the scriptures because it wasn't even there. It's just our own unique American what what on that. Church is a, a we thing, not a me thing. It's, it's we made up of me doing my part in the local congregation of Jesus followers. And so in this time of peace, the church was strengthened, or as an NASB says, built up. That word built up, I love that word in, in the religious language. It literally means to build up a home. And we're thinking not more than bricks and mortar building a house. We're thinking about building up a home as in a household. 
And so Luke's saying the church during this time of peace was being built up as a family is built up. And when a family gets built up, what does that mean? Well, it means that our babies are growing and coming and, and, and life is happening and people are, are maturing and, and the process of life as intended by God is occurring in a healthy and a good way. Now, how that building up happened is described in the next line. It says, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. That's what NAB says. NASB says, and going in on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Notice that the statement is present continuous. It's, this is what they were doing on a daily basis. It wasn't a one-off event, but something that they were continuing to do on a habitual life pattern. What were they doing? The church was being built up. The family of, of God was growing up. How? Well, they were daily living in the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? To live in the fear of the Lord means that you make Jesus your top priority for life. It means you dedicate your life to honor Jesus. It means that you dedicate your life. It's not fear as an afraid. It's fear as, I want to do what's best. It's the fear that, that you have when, when you love your wife and she asks you to do something and you worry about doing it exactly the way she did, right? You know what I'm saying, boys? Men? Got it? you like, she said, get this, and she said it this way. But if I, anyway, we digress. They lived in the fear of the Lord, meaning that they lived to honor Jesus because of their love for Jesus in reverence of Jesus. And Jesus said, if you, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And then he said, the most important commandments to remember, the, the commandments that, that capture everything that I'm about is love God with everything you got and love your neighbor as yourself. And so we can say living in the fear of the Lord is, is living in love. It's living by the commandments of Jesus. It's what we would say is learning and living out scriptures. It's opening up our Bibles and seeing the, the, the teachings of the apostles and seeking to learn them so that we can live them out. They lived in the fear of the Lord. It was a present continuous thing. And it says they lived being encouraged or as the NASB says, comforted, being comforted by the Holy Spirit. Now, that word that's used for encouraged or comforted is one of my most favorite words of the Bible. It's uh, the word parakaleo, parakaleo, para, alongside, kaler, called, being alongside. Here, here's an image of parakaleo. It's walking together with your best friend, with your arm around them, walking down life, talking, saying, okay, how you doing, man? You all right? What's going on? Ever done that? Ever had someone where you had to comfort them and you come alongside them? Parakaleo is, is, is a friendship word that says, I'm with you and you're with me. Parakaleo is a coaching word. It's, it's a word we'll say, we'll come alongside someone and, and help them out, coaching them. It's a mentor word. It's a strengthening word. It's a lean on me. <laughs> I'll leave that to Rick. You with me? Because I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on, right? It's lean on me. That's, a, that's, that's parakaleo. Parakaleo is about encouraging, that is invoking courage in the person that you are encouraging so that they might do what is right and good and faithful to God. They were parakaleo with the Holy Spirit. The, the power of God, the presence of God in their life provided that strength for them. 
It's funny that Jesus uses the word parakaleo to actually name the Holy Spirit. He says before he was crucified, that night he was before crucified, he tells his apostles, hey, guys, I'm out of here. I'm going. I'm going to die. You won't have me with you, but it's okay because I'm sending parakaleo. The Holy Spirit will be with you. I'll be with you when you're and give you courage and power and strength. Parakaleo means being connected to Jesus the Holy, through the Holy Spirit and produces what Paul says, Galatians 5, 22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And what was the result of living in the fear of the Lord and being encouraged by the Holy Spirit? Well, it says that the church increased in numbers, NIV, it continued to increase. The church increased in numbers. Friends brought friends in the church. The church will grow up when we commit to the fear of the Lord and to submit to the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. So here's the answer to the question. How do I bring my friends into church when they've written church off? Live in fear of the Lord and submit to His, His Lordship in your life and live being encouraged by the Spirit. See, it's not up to us. It's not up to us to figure out the strategies of clever marketing tricks and trends that will capture the attention of our target audience. No, God will be the lure that will attract our target audience. God will be the lure that will bring the fish. We have to just be faithful and be partners with him in that. God in our life is the reason why the light shines in the darkness. God in our life is the reason why we're the salt of the earth. How do I bring my friends into church when they've written church off? Live in fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Here's how I see it. We just celebrate in, in communion God opening up a way for us to be made right with Him, to become a children of God. God opened His art to us. And if we respond in faith, we open our heart to Him. And what I've seen is the more we open up to God, the more we become open to others. And the more we're open to others, it begets openness in them, and they're able then to be brought in. And they're brought in not only to, to our friendship and our relationship, but because we are open to God, they're brought into that aspect of our life that then brings them into the opportunity to become part of our church family. Are you open to God? Are you open to others? Are the only friends you have in your life church friends? Are the only people you invest in and you're open up to are people that are already within the family? God wants us to reach out our friends who are not part of this church family so that we might bring them into the church family. And he's using each of us. It's not the job of the preacher or the elders or the gift, especially gifted. They do their part. But I believe every one of us have God assignments. Are you praying for someone in your life that needs to experience the grace you've received? And do you pray for them on a regular basis? Are you seeking to be open to God so that you can be open to others so that they can be brought into the church? And what they will see is God in you. The life change that occurs there 
And God will provide you what you need to do, say and share with them to bring them into the church family. Remember, this is a we thing. It's not a me thing. It's the Holy Spirit at work in you and me and us as a church family working together. But we have to live in the fear of the Lord and in the encouragement or the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask, we're going to pray together. As you can tell, we had a group of little ones come in because there's some exciting stuff going to happen in a few minutes. I'm going to pray. After we pray, we've got a couple of baptisms to witness and celebrate. How do we bring our friends into the family of God? Well, we're seeing the fruit of that labor right here, and we need to thank God with all our hearts for that. It's a good day and a good thing. After the baptisms are done, we'll be free to leave. A uh, couple of uh, guys who are members of our prayer team are going to be up front here available for you if you'd like to pray with someone on something that's heavy on your heart with someone in person. If you'd like to share with these guys perhaps uh, questions you might have or a desire you might want to also respond in faith and say yes to Jesus, then you can go ahead and do that. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for opening up your heart to us and providing a way, an open way that we can be made right with God through faith in Jesus. Lord, help us to truly embrace the grace you give to us so that we might uh, understand that as a grace recipient, we're called to also be grace givers. Help us, Lord, to recognize that our calling is to be faithful to you, to, to live in the fear of the Lord and to continue to rely on the encouragement and the comfort that the Spirit of God provides us, to be attuned to Him in our day-to-day, -to, -day, to be open to Him in our moment-by-moment, -moment, to be open to you and focus on you, but then also to be open to others, not only those who are in our church family as we work together, but those who are outside of our church family that, that we love and care for, and, and we want to be part of this, this family of faith who knows God and is made right with God. Lord, there are empty seats here. And those empty seats represent our family and our friends whom we care for and whom we love and in whom we would really want to be part of this, to share the good news, to be children of you as we are children of you. There are co-workers and there are folks we interact with whom you are pursuing just as you pursued us. And there are folks that may be very different than us, and there may be folks that have different values than us, and there are folks that may be at different ends of political spectrums than us, whatever it may be, but there are still folks to whom you died for and love and have assigned us, assigned us to do our part to reach Help us to be open to you and open to others, being used by you and the unique gifts you give to us so that they too might hear the gospel message as we do it together as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. 
also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.